Uh, do you ever get perplexed in life? Are there things in life that perplex you? I feel like I'm full of things that perplex me. The older I get, the more there are, you know? Uh, probably the most perplexing thing in my life right now is my home wireless network. <laughs> is anybody there with me? I mean, like the computers, the TVs, the printers, everybody's devices all connected to one thing. And it works, like by the grace of God, it works and all that, but it, it just, it baffles me. Uh, I don't know, you know, if I unplug something, if it'll ever work again. There's so much pressure that's perplexing to me. There's other things, NFTs, perplexing me. Bitcoin, I don't know, uh, kind of past me. Uh, I'm sure we have all of our things. Um, even time change, you know, I thought we were getting rid of that. But now with Zooming with people across the nation, it's like my time zone or yours, what, who's, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's so hard. Probably the most perplexing thing, though, in life are their kids, all right? Any parent out there is, I know that you've been perplexed by your kids because you say it. You're like, every parent has said, why are you doing that? What did you do that for, right? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, the funny thing, like, in our house is just, it's the slang, it's the kid's slang. Like, it doesn't make any sense. When, when I was young, like, we took words that weren't really used very much, and we put them into mainstream. That was our slang. But now they're making up these new words that don't make, I don't get it. They, I don't know how to spell it or pronounce it. Man, uh, it's tough. But kids are perplexing. But just to be fair, just to be, like, cover the spectrum, uh, they're probably saying the same thing about you, Right? Uh, you are perplexing to them. In fact, how many times have they said, what did you do that for? <laughs> Why are you doing that? They're probably in their, their uh, class right now learning from Galatians, uh, having that same thing. Tim's probably saying, your parents, aren't they perplexing? Um, but I bring that up. I bring that up because in our passage today, in Galatians chapter 4, Paul is talking about the church, the church that he planted, and he says, I don't get you. You're perplexing me, right? You're just, what you're doing, I don't get, I don't understand. We spent all this time. I thought we understood where to go, but now you've changed it all. You're driving me nuts. I'm hitting my head against the wall. You're perplexing me, right? Paul is kind of, in this passage, he's talking about almost like being a mother to them, like carrying them in pregnancy, like they're, they're in his womb, so to speak, and all he wants to do is present this church or this baby as healthy and beautiful, but they're not going along with it, and that's what's perplexing him. Look at Galatians chapter 4, verse 19 and 20. It will be on the screen, or if you have it on your phone, or the Bible in front of you. But he says this, he says, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish to be with you now and change my tone, because I am perplexed about you. He's wanting to present this child as formed in Christ. And that's the goal of every pastor, right? To see his congregation, to see his people being formed in Christ, being shaped by Jesus. There's so many things in this world that are trying to shape us and form us in different ways, but we want to see the church being shaped and formed by Christ. And so today, as we look at this this passage, I want to put that out to all of you and ask, kind of, how are you being shaped? Who is shaping you? 
Is it the culture? Is it the friends or family? Or is it Christ? And if Christ is shaping you to embrace that and not to run away, not to try to go to other things like just even religion or other things from your past, but to embrace Christ's work in your life to form you and to shape you as his own. So that's my goal. How do I help you? How do I help our church be informed like Christ? There's a lot of discipleship here in this passage that we'll talk about, uh, but three things that kind of stick out that we'll talk about. We're going to be formed and shaped by knowing God and being known by him, right? By seeking his approval, right? And then through the things that he puts in our life, even the hard things, all of those are shaping us to look like Christ. So let's begin, and we'll start with verse 8. And we're going to see that being formed to Jesus begins with knowing God, right? With knowing him. So Paul took a lot of pain, took a lot of time to introduce them to Christ, to see Christ start shaping their lives. And the problem is, is they are reverting back away from Christ to their old life or to other religious ways, but not staying with Christ. Look what it says in verse 8 to 11. It says this, formally, when you did not know God. So before I preached to you the gospel, before I came and before we met, before any of this started, you did not know God. You were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now you know God, or rather are known by God. How is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days, months, seasons, and years. In other words, they're being religious. They're doing the religious things. Does I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. So he's looking at this church. He says, before I introduced Christ to you, you were religious, right? You had your way of trying to interact with God, right? These are Gentiles that he's writing to. So they have their own local gods, their, their, uh, the gods that they worshipped. A couple of them, the mother goddess, Sabel, the sky god, uh, Sabizos. I think that's how you pronounce it, not sure. But these are some of the local gods that they would have known, that they would have sought protection from. But then Paul comes in. He introduces them to Jesus Christ. They convert. They become followers of Jesus. They leave those things away. But after having known him, after walking with him, they start reverting to these things. And, and he tells them, he says, these, you think that they're gods, but they're not. Right? In other words, in, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapters 8 and 10, he talks about this a little bit more at length, saying that you think that you're worshiping these gods, but there's only one God. There's only one, the God of heaven, who created all this. All these other gods that you're worshiping, like I just mentioned, they're just demons masquerading as gods. So why, then, would you come to know the true living God and then go back to these foreign things? So whether it's going back to your old gods or going to the, the law of Moses, which we've talked at at length the last few weeks, going back to that and following these religious things, saying that's not what we talked about. That's not how we interact with God. So don't go back on those things. You, you need to move forward. But even us as a culture, do we resonate with that? 
I mean, so many people, we come in the church, and we, introduced, uh, we, get know, we get introduced to Christ, we get to know each other, we spend some time, there are really some good times in here, but then we kind of go back into the world. We go back into the way we used to live. For us, it's maybe not these different gods that we worship or whatever, but it's this, the culture of our society. Uh, what are some of the phrases we use, right, to describe our culture? Uh, we say, it's a dog-eat-dog world, right? Uh, in other words, we're out for blood, right? Just each person for themselves. That's our culture. That's not how it is to live in the kingdom of God. That's not how it is to, to follow Jesus, but that's our world, and we go back into that. Um, he who finishes first wins, right? Like, like life is a competition. If you have the most toys and the most influence, the most money, like that's success. We buy into that. And even though we've been introduced to Christ, even though we walk with him, we slip and we fall into these things. Or even um, something a, a little bit um, more southern, I guess, with the philosophy like this. Life is like a box of chocolates, right? Meaning like you never know what you're going to get. You might get lucky. You might get the milk chocolate with, with caramel, right, or peanut butter. You might get that. But you might also get the white chocolate with the cherry in it. You know, or the marshmallow or walnut, like that would stink, right? I mean, just life is whatever it is. I feel like most of life is like, um, you know, dark chocolate with nuts, you know? <laughs> That's a lot of us. We're kind of we're nutty. But, um, but we buy into these philosophies, but we go back into that. And so what Paul would be saying to us is like, don't go into that. That's where you came from. That's the world you knew before Christ, but now you know Christ. Now you've put him on. You wear him. You are to live differently. Don't go that way. And so what does he say here? He says this really important thing in verse 9. Verse 9, he's talking about knowing God. He says, but now that you know God, or rather are known by him, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Now you know him. What's it mean to know God? Now, this is really important for us to understand because this is part of our, our mission statement, right? Our mission statement is we exist to make the name of Jesus known, right? So to know God is not just to have like a relationship, to say, oh, yeah, I know you, we met, huh? nice to meet you, right? But to have a personal, close, loving relationship with him. That's what it means to know him. And Paul says, you know him. You have met him. You know Christ. You've spent time getting to know him, his attributes, who he is, what he loves, all that kind of stuff. You, you know that he's totally different than the other philosophies, other religions have to offer. This is a real person. It's a personal relationship that you can talk with. Last week, we talked about him as like a, a close father, that Abba Father passage, right? He's close. He's nearby. You know him. But what he says next, I think, is even more important. It says, uh, but now you know God, or rather, that you are known by God. I did, I'm not a great, you know, Greek and Hebrew uh, student and all that, but I did some research, and I talked to a few people that are far better than I am uh, this week, and we talked about this word rather. That's how, that's how the NIV translates it. But there's, you, it can also say more than or more importantly so the, the idea here is, but now you know God, or more importantly, you are known by God. It's a, 
sit with that for a minute. Like, think about that. We spend so much time getting to know him that we don't even think about this. But he says, but more importantly than getting, you getting to know God is that he knows you. He knows you. He knows all your proclivities and all your quirks. He knows your faults, your failures. And he knows you, meaning he loves you. Isn't that crazy? That's so important for us to know because that makes all the difference. If we know deeply that God loves us right off the beginning, that changes how we do things. But if we forget that God loves us, then we become insecure. God doesn't love me. Uh, how do I get back into his, his love? I've got a, spiritual accomplishments, right? I've got to go do the best spiritual things. I'm going to serve. I'm going to do all these great things so that God will pay attention to me, and now I am loved. But what that does is often slips into legalism, criticism of others. Not a good place to be. But if we know that he loves us, We're starting to understand grace. We're understanding the magnitude of his love. And then our service looks so different. It's hard to tell the difference when people are two serving, one doing it out of like trying to earn God's love and one doing it because of God's love, because he loves them. They might be doing the same thing, but the motivations are so different. He says that you have known God. You've got to know him. But more importantly, he knows you and brought you into this relationship. Therefore, stay in this relationship. Move forward in this relationship. This is freedom. This is life. Don't go back into trying to be religious. Don't go back into the former way that you lived because that's in slavery. And that's insanity. That's perplexing to me. So let me illustrate this because I know you like illustrations. I like illustrations, right? Most of us have one of these, right? iPhone or, for those who don't like the iPhone, the equivalent, the Samsung, the Android version, okay? Uh, on this phone, it's, it's very small, fits in your pocket, but this phone is powerful. It can do so many things. Right now, it's a timer telling me that I got to hurry up, <laughs> but um, it's a phone, right? It's a, like a, a word processor. Like it could be like it replaces the typewriter. I don't need a typewriter because I have this. Um, it has my music in here. It's got maps in here. I have a cook recipes, right, cookbook. I mean, like we can go on and on, calculators, all kinds of things. Like this is powerful. And this little small thing has replaced so many things in your house that you don't need anymore because you have this. But what if... I said, or one of your friends says, you know what, this is too small, it just doesn't feel right, there's just, you know, I don't like it. I'm going to go back to how it was, right? I'm going to go back to how it was. Like, I want a phone that just, just rings, like, so I'm going to go back to this baby, all right? Some of you don't remember this, but this is the original phone. I don't even think it had a, a watch or a clock on it. It was just a phone. I'm going to go back to this. That's, that's the simple life, right? But I like videos, so I'm going to go back to this, too. You know, my ward's electric eye, um, you know, I'm going to just kind of film, you know, this way. That's, that's the real, that's the good way, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that. And the problem is I like my music, too, so I had to figure that out. So let me, um, let me just get this 
I'm going to carry this around. It's a tape player, guys. Unless you need your tapes, you know, U2, Smith, Depeche Mode, and you can't, no, no, uh, and that's not complete without the mixtape. So I'm going to just carry these things around. Like, now, but now I got to get a typewriter. What else do I get? There's a picture up here, all kinds of other things that I need to get to, to to make this complete. But what would you say if someone was doing this, walking around with all these things? Like, you, why? You have this. You don't need this. Leave these things behind. That was so yesterday or 80s or whatever it is and move on. And so that's kind of the illustration that he's telling the church. Like, stop. You've embraced this. You've embraced Christ. By the way, why I have this in here? <laughs> that's, that's the main reason why we're not doing that. Um, but you've embraced Christ. Stay with him. Move on. So that's what was perplexing him. And uh, to be honest, it's perplexing today. But when we talk about being shaped by God, it's, that's where it starts, being knowing him and being known by him. That's beautiful. It's wonderful. So think about that. That's been on my mind. I hope that you meditate on that throughout this week. The second thing, though, being formed to Jesus seeks God's approval above all. It's, it's finding our approval in him, not in other people. And that's such a temptation. That's so hard, especially for a pastor, right? Paul kind of, he's writing this like a pastor, right? Church planter, that kind of thing. And so it resonates with me. I'm not going to spend a lot of time in here because my phone is telling me I got to keep moving on. But um, it's kind of from a pastor to his church saying, um, my approval is not in, in your, um, you know, your esteem of me. It's what God said, and it's speaking his truth. Uh, if you look at verse 12 and 16, I'll, I'll skip the middle. I'll come back to that. It says, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I have become like you. You did me no wrong. So all these things that happen, he's like, you didn't do me any wrong. We're okay. And in verse 16, he says, but how have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? Right? He says, I spoke the truth. I spoke the words that God put in my mouth, and I spoke it to you. And you received it, but then some people came, they twisted it around, and now I'm your enemy. I went from like this, like an angel, you loved me, to an enemy. And how did that happen? He's just like, that would ruin most church planters or pastors. When your congregation, they love you, and then they, they turn on you because you told the truth. They didn't like it. And that's such a temptation in our day and age. Right? We want to hear news from things that we like. We have our news sources that we like. We don't want to listen to the others. We can't imagine how anybody would disagree with what we read or what we think. We're not really good on taking that, that truth element and in, in, in receiving it down in our core. But Paul's saying that I have to speak the truth. I have to be the prophet. I have to say these things. I'm not going to speak half lies or half truths. I'm going to speak what God has put in my mouth and because he's the one that I'm seeking approval from. So that's important for me because, like, I want you to like me. I want you to like the church. I want you to be involved. And so much of the time I am that priest and the shepherd that I can care for you. But there's times where God has called me to be a prophet or to lead where we don't want to go, and that's hard. But part of this being shaped 
by God, shaped by Christ, is hearing his words of truth, letting them sink into our lives, and just and letting it reflect, and letting our lives be changed by his truth, not the truth we want to hear. So there's more we can say about that, but I think you understand. Letting God speak into our life, letting his word resonate into our lives and change us from the inside. Being shaped, being changed by, the, by knowing him, but by seeking his approval, not others. The last thing here that I want to spend a little time with is being formed by Jesus to embrace the hardships that he puts in our life. All right? Um, part of our, our formation, a big part of our formation happens not when things are great and wonderful, although that's good, but it happens when things have turned, when we faced hardships. Why do we have this book of Galatians? Right? Why do we have it? Some of you I've heard as we've been studying this, some of you have said, that's my favorite book. I love that book. Do you know why we have your favorite book? It's because Paul has hardships. He got sick, like really sick. And that led him to Galatia. That led him to these people. He preached the gospel. They received Christ. And now we have this book. But look what it says in verse 13. It says, As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. Because I got sick, like really sick. That's why I preached to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that even if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Other than that last part, it's a real beautiful story, right? Like He, he came to this city because he was sick. If anybody had a hall pass on getting sick, I would think it would be Paul, right? He's supposed to take the message to the whole Gentile world. I think God would say, all right, I'm going to save you from some of these things. But he didn't. Paul had this sickness. And I don't know if he went to Galatia because that's where the best doctors were, you know, or if he was going somewhere else, he got sick, and he just had to stop here in this area. We don't know. And we don't know what his sickness was, but based on that last line, like, if you could have, you would have given me your own eyes, it probably was something to do with his eyes. Bad sickness or glaucoma or something, I don't know. In, in the end of the story, we'll get the end of the book, we'll get there eventually. He, you know, he, he dictates this book, somebody writes it, but at the very end, he says, look what large letters I'm writing with. Like, he's writing the end, and he's, his eyesight is so bad, he has to write with super big font, you know? Um, so there's very, very possible, there was something with his eyes. Is that related to the thorn that was in his flesh in 2 Corinthians? It might be. We don't know. But the thing is, is that Paul, out of all people, suffered. Suffered some bad sickness. And you could say, he could have said, what's up with that, Lord? Here, I'm doing your work. I'm serving you, and you're doing this. Forget it. I'm going to go back to my old way. He could have done that. But he didn't see it that way. So I think for us, here's just kind of simple, but three things. That when we have hardships come into our life, right, whatever it is, just illness or trials, whatever, there's a couple things that can happen. 
right? Two of them external, one internal, right? One of the external is that when these things happen, it's a chance for us to share the gospel with other people, right? Like he said, I preached the gospel to you because I was sick. Because I was sick, I got to meet you. We don't know the exact story. They came around him, and he says, well, now you're here, let me tell you, let me tell you something about Jesus. They came to Christ. On Monday, I received word from a friend of mine, kind of a mentor uh, in my life, that uh, his name's Gary, that Gary has brain cancer. He knew he had something, kind of going back a few weeks, but he just found out that he had brain cancer. So I called him up. I talked to him on Tuesday or Wednesday, and uh, we talked, and he kind of shared me the story. And at the very end, I said, hey, Gary, Gary, keep the faith. Keep the faith. And he says, no. No. I don't keep the faith. I share the faith, baby. I share the faith. So when I went to my doctor, I told them all about Jesus. You know, I shared the faith. I don't keep the faith. No, I share the faith. I'm like, I'm like okay, <laughs> Gary, you are an amazing man. You're an amazing man. But that's, that's the part. Like, God will bring these things into our life sometimes for us to be able to share with others. Right? That's the external. But there's also the internal. Like, it changes us. Right? When he's talking about this thorn in the flesh, right? Uh, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. When he talks about that, he, he says, I didn't want it. I prayed that it would go, but it taught me a few things. It taught me humility. It taught me humility. It taught me how to, to stand in Christ, to be strengthened by Christ. And it taught me a whole lot about grace, that his grace is sufficient for me. So when these things happen, we can just, we can run away or we can embrace these things. And they're hard. I mean, I get it. This is much easier to say than it is to do, I understand. But there's a part of these things that, that transform us, that shape us to be like Christ. And it would be a shame to miss those things. So we have a chance to share. We have a chance to be changed. And then also in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he does talk about how when you suffer these things now you can turn those things and to help other people you can go help others throughout this and i've seen this so many times here in the church some of someone has goes through a struggle and then a little bit later uh, someone else is going through that and they connect and they're like hey let me tell you let me show you let me help you let me tell you what i learned or some of the experience or here's the resources being able to help other people so I know this is a big topic about suffering, and I'm sure we could go more, but just Paul just talks about it a little bit here, and that's part of our shaping. It's how we're shaped by, into the image of Christ by what he has put in our lives. And so just as we remember that, don't miss these things. My desire is for you to be shaped by Christ, for Christ to be shaped in you. And that's going to happen a few different ways. But if you remember back, before you knew Christ, you lived a certain way. But now you know God. Now you know him. And you, you've seen who he is. You, maybe you thought he was angry. Maybe you thought he was grumpy. Maybe you've, you had all these different ideas of who God was. But now you understand he's a loving God. He's a father uh, who's, who's better than your own. He's so close to you. He wants to have a relationship. And the beautiful thing is he knows you. He knows you and he loves you. He's eager to have that relationship. 
He's not that one who's distant or like, who are you really? Like, do we really know each other? You know, like when you get that phone call, like it's a number you don't recognize. You know, how do you answer the phone then? I'm like, hello, you know, who's this? You know, it's very different than when you know someone, when they're close to you, when they're a friend, a dear friend. You know God and he's that way. And he knows you and he loves you. Like, that's wonderful. So keep moving forward. That's where we find freedom. And take the opportunities in life to be shaped, to be shaped by God, to look more and more like Christ each and every day. So that's my desire. You have been given freedom. You've been set free from the things that have enslaved you. Now you know Christ. Now you, he knows you. Wear him. Be set free. Live a life of freedom. Put on your new self. Be transformed. Let the gospel be spoken to you. Hear God's call, his whisper, his leading. Flee the ways of the world. Flee your old life. But now go and live in Christ. Let him speak the truth to you. And as your pastor, I will do my best to come and support you, to encourage you, to do whatever I can to see Christ being formed in you. That's what Paul wanted for his people. That's what I want for you.